0: Gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be able to be here today, to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. Pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that each one here would receive a blessing, that we would leave this place today filled and fed. I ask, Lord, that you would anoint my lips, anoint our service, bless us all here today. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. Amen.
1: We're going to turn to the opening hymn now, right now, and I would like somebody to help me know what it is because I haven't got a clue. <laughs> 528. Our opening hymn is number 528. I invite you all to stand as we sing.
2: Pastor, a young man said, I feel God is calling me to enter the ministry. I just forgot we were supposed to have special music, weren't we? No? Okay, let me go again here. (laughs) Okay, so he's called to enter the ministry. What should I do? The pastor replied, You need to go to college. The young man drove to the college with only enough funds to make the trip to the school. Upon arrival, he went to the admissions office and asked to enroll. The clerk at the window gave him a slip to take to the financial office to gain admission. The financial officer asked him, how much money do you have for your tuition? He emptied his pockets of the few coins he had left. Why are you here? He replied, I believe God is calling me to become a pastor. The financial officer asked the young man to wait. She excused herself and made a few phone calls. Then she returned to explain, just a few days ago, a donor came to the school and handed me a card. He said, if a student arrives at the school with no money, but has a call from the Lord, contact me. The young man entered college in 1982 and became a minister of the gospel. God takes care of his people. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, Jeremiah 21.11. Today, we can be like that private donor. We can give and help others to become what God wants them to be. The offering today is for REACH, BC, and Yukon, and you have a couple of options for giving. There is the donation box at the back of the sanctuary that you can put your physical offerings into. Otherwise, you can donate online. And if you would bow your heads for prayer, we'll talk to God. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give back a fraction of the blessings you have bestowed on us. We ask you to bless those that are able to give and those that are not. And we ask you, Lord, to be with our pastor right now in a special way as he is endeavoring to return to town uh, by Monday. We ask you to bless his travel and uh, have angels guide him all the way. Thank you for being with us this Sabbath, Lord. In your name, amen.
3: Good morning church family. Happy Sabbath. Our uh, reading today, our scripture reading today is 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 if you want to follow along. And it says, "For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." Wherever possible, could we kneel, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for the Sabbath. Thank you for the freedom to gather together today as a church family. And we ask that the Holy Spirit be on our speaker and that her words be your words and your will be given. Um, Thank you and bless those people who are here today and the family that is not with us today. In your name, Jesus, amen.
2: We're now gonna have special music. Sophia Watson is going to play her violin for us. Thank you so much, Sophia.
0: Good morning church I am so pleased to be able to stand here before you this morning some of you may know that I'm the health leader for our church I'm also a registered nurse so you might expect that I might say a thing or two about health and if that's your expectation then you will not be disappointed because that's what I'm planning but before we dive in I wanted to take an opportunity to share with you what we're planning for health ministry in the next little while We will be having a depression and anxiety recovery program starting in January with some um, introduction or introductory sessions uh, coming up very soon in December. So there are flyers and some posters just a few posters uh, that really would encourage you to take some with you to share with friends family co workers take a poster for your workplace. Um, Just to get the word out, if there's somebody that you know that might need it, um, then that's an an amazing opportunity because this program is fantastic. I'm also excited, of course, as health ministries leader to plan opportunities for us to grow and learn together in Christ in health. And so if you are interested in health ministry work, uh, I would encourage you to partner with us so if you feel impressed to help you can do so by letting me know that you'd like to volunteer ti- volunteer your time when we're having a specific project or if you would like to actually be a part of the team then i would certainly welcome you but if you would rather be a silent partner and you know who you are your financial support is important and can also be included on your tithe and offering whether it's for a specific project such as the depression recovery program or um, just in general for health ministries. So before we start and have the message, I would like to just seek the Lord again one more time in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to speak here today. But let the words that I speak not be my words, but your words. And I know the message that I've prepared today was brought From you, from your heart to my heart. And so I just once again ask for the Holy Spirit to be here. That the words that I speak will land on fertile hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the message that I have for you today is the right arm. And you may have noticed in your bulletin that it's part one, so there's a second part. But that only is dependent on whether you want me to come back. So I'm just saying. So the right arm hand or arm is figuratively and poetically considered the arm of strength and victory. For those of you who are left-handed, this is not meant to demean you or slight you in any way. It's just that 85 to 95% of people in the world happen to be right-handed. You may have heard sayings like, I'd give my right arm, which means a willingness to part with something of great value to gain something else, or the term right-hand man, which is an, an invaluable assistant. The Bible uses right hand and right arm imagery a lot. Examples include Exodus 15, verse 6, Your hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And Psalms 18:35, You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand upholds me, and your gentleness makes me great. In her writings, Ellen G. White has said that health reform is to be considered the right arm of the third angel's message, and medical missionary work is the right arm, or, and medical missionary work the right arm of the gospel. How so? Well, certainly the health message is helping in reaching people with a gospel who cannot easily be reached in this secular era. But could there be something more to it? And how is the health, health the right arm or the strength of sharing the good news about what Jesus has accomplished for us? And what about the health message being the right arm of the third angel's message? The third angel's message is a warning about not receiving the mark of the beast. So, how is health connected to this? Somehow, the health message provides right arm strength and victory in two aspects the gospel work which we would consider as ministry to others, and avoiding the mark of the beast and wrath of God, which we would consider as spiritual self-defense. This is a two-part message today, and so we are just gonna focus for today on the right arm of the health health message as being spiritual self-defense. In the great controversy, that conflict between God and Satan, we are caught in the middle. We're not mere pawns or collateral damage, though, but active participants who stand or fall according to the choices we make and who we ally ourselves with. In Conflict and Courage, page 354, we are told, Satan will work with all his deceptive power to influence the heart and be cloud the understanding to make evil appear good and good evil. Satan's most powerful weapon is deception. Jesus said, in John 8, that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. He's an expert at spin doctoring and weaving tall tales with half-truths and falsehoods. In the Garden of Eden, he used deception against Eve, wielding a most terrible blow to humankind. And what did he use? Food. With food, he convinced Eve that God was, was withholding something amazing from her, and then because of food, Adam chose Eve over God. Satan's deceitful words introduced unbelief and mistrust in God. This deception worked so effectively then and continues to work so effectively now in our sinfallen state because of temptation, the struggle which happens in our minds. It's important for us to recognize that food is an important battleground. Consider that Satan tried to tempt Jesus to use his divine power in the wilderness to turn stones into bread. Was Jesus hungry? You bet. But he didn't cave in. Why? It isn't that eating bread is wrong or anything, but he chose to trust in God alone, and so refused to use his divine power to satisfy his temporal needs. Food can become a battleground of faith for us too, not only because what we eat affects our minds, but also because our minds influence what we eat and how we eat. Let's talk a little bit about the brain. The limbic system includes several structures of the brain that deal with three key functions, emotions, memories, and stimulation. This is the area of the brain responsible for the value judgments which make, or we make which exert a strong influence on behavior. You may have heard of this brain part of the brain being called the primitive brain. Our motivations or desires, when governed by the limbic system, have the potential to overpower the reasoning portion of our brain, the prefrontal cortex of the frontal lobe, that area just behind our foreheads. The prefrontal cortex is involved in higher functions, such as planning, decision-making, short-term memory, speech and language production, having empathy for others, impulse control, and morality. For sound decision-making, you want to be using the reasoning, logical, prefrontal cortex rather than that emotional, off-the-cuff limbic system. If emotion overpowers reason, we risk undermining our critical judgment and can more easily become slaves to our wants and desires. Do you think God wants his people to have well-functioning minds? 2 Timothy 1.7, in the Amplified Bible says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. How then is it to make, or how important then is it to make sure the prefrontal cortex is functioning optimally for sound decision-making? It's imperative. It's a huge challenge, an epic struggle really, because Satan has cunningly designed our modern world to constantly offer up countless different ways to disable our minds. So what kinds of things does he use to undermine our thinking? Certain types of music, TV shows, movies, video games, pornography, and gambling. Of course, there's drugs, which can be either illicit or prescription, alcohol, Beverages that are high in sugar and or that contain caffeine. Food is significant, particularly because we need it to live and so consume it frequently. But can you guess what kind of food disables the prefrontal cortex? Yep, all the foods we like. Food that is highly processed, high in sugar, salt and fat. Convenience food, fast food, junk food, the food we call comfort food but don't take my word for it. You can search all of this up on the internet or watch programs which present overwhelming evidence of how vulnerable our minds are to what we consume with all of our senses every day. You see, Satan has had 6,000 years to study the human psyche. He knows exactly how to tap into our cravings and create temptations tailor-made for each one of us to fall. And if each one has its on its own has the ability to weaken the mind to varying degrees and prevent clear thinking and rational decision-making, consider the cumulative effect of multiple hits on the brain when used in combination. Satan doesn't just want to get us with a one-two punch. He also likes to kick us when we're down. In Isaiah 1.18, God implores us, "'Come now, let us reason together.'" But can we reason clearly if we are constantly bombarded by the destructive things of the world would you agree that it is absolutely necessary for us to develop and nurture clear and balanced thinking to be able to discern right from wrong and to be able to choose to do that which is right god in his tender mercy wants to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace, Luke 1, In the Bible, light is a symbol of holiness, goodness, knowledge, wisdom, grace, hope, and revelation. In contrast, darkness is associated with evil, sin, and despair. We are much more likely to be kept in darkness when our limbic systems are calling the shots. Jeremiah 17:9 reminds us That the heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? The thing is, we are stewing in a world of sinfulness. So it can be really hard to see just how bad sin truly is. It can be difficult to comprehend how very dangerous temptations are. We don't actually know that our frontal lobes are being compromised. We can't feel the damage being inflicted because it doesn't hurt, but it's an insidious process. We can't recognize our present condition. We become numbly accustomed, desensitized to our wretchedness and nakedness. We feel fine, so we must be fine, right? Isn't this the Laodicean condition? Lukewarm, apathetic, and unaware? So what does this all have to do with the third angel's message? The third angel's message found in Revelation 14, 9 through 12 is a pretty heavy warning. Not only are we cautioned that those who worship the beast and its image will receive the mark, but will also receive the wrath of God. We are also told that God's people who keep his commandments and have the faith of Jesus will need endurance. God's people will not receive the mark of the beast, but instead the seal of God. They will have the mind of Christ The hope of glory. What kind of mind is Christ's mind? Wise, humble, other centered, self denying, let this mind be in us. So now is preparation time. Now is the time for God's people to develop endurance because spiritual attacks will only become fiercer. Building endurance requires consistency and determination, health is an essential part of God's protection plan for building endurance in these perilous times. You see, God loves us so much that he gave us his only begotten son so that when we put our faith in him, we should not perish but have eternal life. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live to themselves. Instead they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. God knew the situation that we would find ourselves at the end of time. So doesn't it make sense that he would provide us with a training plan? And so he has. Spiritually, physically, and mentally, he has provided us with ways to protect our souls and bodies and minds, to keep our thinking clear and build endurance and stamina to face the future. Most of you are familiar with the health message, which features the proper use of air, water, food, exercise, rest, clothing, sunshine, and right mental attitudes for a healthy lifestyle. We often use the acronym new start or the eight laws of health, which are nutrition, exercise, water, sunshine, temperance, air, rest, and most importantly, trust in God. These are a lifeline in a contaminated world. These health principles are present in scripture They were given to God's people from the very beginning and for God's people of today to be a people set apart, to live lives in contrast to the world's standards. God has given us a training regimen for the end times to develop mental discipline, endurance, consistency, mental focus, joy, peace, but most importantly, faith. And you know... Health isn't just about gaining an extra seven to 10 years of life or having nicer skin or more energy. These are just fringe benefits. Health is meant to accomplish something much more important, to establish a people who are settled in the truth, who have a love for God and others that cannot be shaken. But where do we start with this? Prayer, definitely. Bible study, absolutely. But you know where else? Appetite. According to Christian Temperance and Bible Hygiene, page 154, when we exercise control of appetite, then we will gain control over every other temptation. I'm going to say that again. When we exercise control of appetite, then we can gain control over every other temptation. Whatever temptations we struggle with, be it drugs, alcohol, hoarding, gaming, shopping, gossiping, you name it. What this is saying is that when we properly manage the appetite, that is what we eat and how much, a door opens to regaining control over our prefrontal cortex, our cognitive reasoning. There is victory to be had over every other struggle we face. Is it really a result of our own efforts though? Not at all. This is totally a divine partnership to reclaim the mind. So then, the question is, can we expect to have victory if we remain resistant to change? Christ's perfect character, his robe of righteousness cannot cover us without full surrender, right? So wouldn't full surrender include food then? I would like to suggest that this is an important step we need to prayerfully consider and then take in faith, or we may remain at the mercy of Satan's snares and temptations. But why food? You know, eating is extremely complex. Food is not merely for nutrition and nourishment. There is a social and emotional component as well. Did you know that the digestive system is our second brain? also known as the enteric nervous system, scientists are just beginning to better understand the complexities of the gut-brain connection. The digestive system is involved in brain health and disease formation, as well as mood and mental health. Your stomach is a gateway to physical, emotional, and spiritual health. The health message is an element of exercising righteousness by faith our response to what God has done for us, and trusting in what he has promised to do for us. The counsel that we have been given on diet has provided us a powerful counter-strategy against all the campaigns that Satan has planned to trip us up and keep us in his pocket. And is it any wonder that our health message is so under attack today? Healthy living goes hand in hand with developing a committed love relationship with God and with others. This is the right arm of the third angel's message. He knows the plans he has for us, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give us a future and a hope, Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. Our loving God wants to protect us against the constant assaults upon our minds. He wants to break those chains with which bind us to unhealthy habits. The Holy Spirit wants to more effectively communicate with us, enabling a deeper understanding of scripture. But if our frontal lobes are not functioning at their highest levels, how can we expect to understand those deep things of God? A great example is found in Daniel chapter 1, where Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah, a.k.a. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, purposed in their hearts or rationally decided with their minds not to eat the food from the king's table, but instead to be tested on a simple, healthy diet. What was the result? Verse 17 tells us that God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Verses 19 and 20 reveal that none of the others could compare to them in every matter of wisdom and understanding. King Nebuchadnezzar found them ten times better than all the other magicians. We must take note of the significance of this story. God honored their faithfulness with mental aptitude and wisdom. There wasn't anything magical in the food. It was God. These young men were tested at the very outset of their careers and ministry in Babylon. Should we not expect something similar? In closing, I want to tell you a little story. In ancient times, a king had a boulder placed on a roadway. He then hid himself and watched to see if anyone would try to remove the huge rock. Some of the king's wealthiest merchants and courtiers passed by and simply walked around the big rock. Others loudly blamed the king for not taking better care of the roads, but nobody did anything about moving the big stone out of the way. Eventually, a peasant farmer came along carrying a load of vegetables. On approaching the boulder, the peasant laid down his burden and tried to move the stone to the side of the road. After much pushing and effort, he finally succeeded. As the peasant picked up his load of vegetables, he noticed a purse lying in the road where the boulder had been. The purse contained many gold coins and a note from the king indicating that the gold was for the person who removed the boulder from the roadway. The peasant learned what many others never understand. Every obstacle presents an opportunity to improve one's condition. Now, whether the peasant was the only one with the presence of mind to remove the rock because he was a vegetable farmer and likely ate a lot of vegetables is not the point here. Sometimes in our lives we are challenged by something like that rock in the road. Maybe we pass by it often. Perhaps it's something in your life that you know needs to change. Change is hard. It requires some effort on your part. Perhaps you're a rock denier. You don't see the rock as a problem. You just avoid it and go on your way. Maybe you complain about the rock being there, blaming others when you trip on it. But until you recognize that the rock doesn't belong in the middle of the road and do something about it, can you fully realize the blessing of the rock? There is another rock we must consider, the rock of offense. The rock of offense is a stumbling block in Jesus Christ himself. 1 Peter 2, 7 and 8 says, Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. You know, Jesus is a rock for everyone. To those who put their trust in him, they build their lives and relationship upon the rock. A solid foundation. They cling to him. But for those in unbelief, the rock just becomes a major nuisance. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we are saved by diet any more than we are saved by works. We are only saved by the merits of Christ's ultimate sacrifice. But please don't think that you do not have a role, a response, a partnership. This is not about behaviorism or legalism, not at all. This is about participation, safeguarding your mind so that you can ultimately have the mind of Christ, Christ in you. In the context of this message, I find it interesting that there is a piece of armor found in Ephesians 6, which protects the head, the mind, the helmet of salvation. While we need the whole armor of God, it is the helmet of salvation which reminds us that our minds should not be open to anything and everything. Pastor Doug Batchelor said it this way, your body has seven sacred openings from the neck up, two nostrils, two ears, two eyes, and one mouth. Our biggest problem usually comes from what enters and exits the mouth. This might be why the Lord gave us only one. Only in eternity will we appreciate how pivotal, pivotal, pivotal to each person's salvation were their choices concerning what they allowed to enter their minds through these vital senses. We must firmly strap the helmet of salvation in place and guard the avenues to the soul. We don't have to be overcome by the temptations that Satan dangles before us. We can have victory, and God has shown us how by starting with what we put on our tables and in our tummies. There is a choice to be made every day, about three times a day. The right arm strength of the third angel's message, the seal of God, and mind of Christ is offered to those who let Christ live his life in them in righteousness and faith. This is only the half of it. The second half is how we can reach out to others through health ministry with hope and healing, loving our neighbors as ourselves, the right arm of the gospel. This is what I will cover in the second part of this message, if you ever have me back. Let's turn in our hymnals to 522, My hope is built on nothing less.
1: shall come.
0: All other ground is sinking sand. We need to be on the rock. We don't want the rock to fall on us, but we need to fall on the rock. And Lord, you have given us a way of escape. We have your word. We have your Holy Spirit. We have your counsel, your testimony. The spirit of prophecy Lord, let us not turn our back on these things as we approach the time of no return. God, I ask that we would be a people united, that we would be serious about the times in which we live. Lord, bless us and keep us in faith and in unity with Jesus Christ Jesus at our head. Bless us as we continue to worship this Sabbath day, and fellowship with one another. And I pray that until we are back here together again next week, that you would keep us safe and be with our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors. Help us to be a witness for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.